Welcome to the next edition of the Fast and the Furious podcast series. Today's topic is senior living across the globe, a comparison of long-term care in North America, India, and the Philippines. Our guests today include Amode, a dental surgeon from India who has made a career transition to the healthcare industry in Canada. Amode completed his Bachelor of Dental Surgery degree from a prestigious institution in India and has worked for two years in the field before moving to Kingston, Ontario. In Canada, Amode has a passion for helping others through his work in the healthcare staffing solutions. He currently works as a scheduling and data management specialist at a healthcare staffing agency where he ensures that healthcare professionals are matched with the right clients to provide quality care. Additionally, Amode works as a resident support aide where he provides essential support to personal support workers and registered practical nurses in long-term care settings. Amode's transition from dental surgery to healthcare staffing has given him a unique perspective on the healthcare industry. He understands the importance of providing quality care and matching the right professionals in the right, with the right clients to ensure a positive experience for all involved. Amode is excited to share his insights and experiences with us today. Welcome, Amode. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great day to be here today. Thank you. And our next guest is Niharika, a PharmD graduate from India with a deep interest in both clinical and administrative areas of healthcare. Her clinical experience in multi-specialty hospital in India helped her discover her interest in healthcare administration which led her to pursue further studies in this field in Canada. Niharika worked part-time as a pharmacy assistant and concentrated on building her leadership skills while studying in Canada. She decided to pursue a career in healthcare administration and set a goal of securing a job in the industry before finishing her course. Her commitment and hard work paid off when she was offered a full-time job as a medical administrator at Synergy Dental Center in Healthcare in London, Ontario. Niharika's interest in clinical and administrative areas of healthcare reflects her desire to improve overall patient care quality. She provides a unique perspective on how to streamline healthcare delivery systems, reduce expenses, and enhance patient outcomes based on her experience and understanding in these domains. She is passionate about finding ways to make healthcare more accessible and affordable for everyone. Welcome, Niharika. Hello, Professor Julie. Thank you so much for the introduction. Our next guest is Keisha Aquino, who is taking healthcare administration here at St. Lawrence College. Prior to coming here to Canada, Keisha has completed her bachelor's degree in nursing in the Philippines. She started working in neonatal intensive care in their local hospital shortly after she got her license as a registered nurse in 2017. Keisha has always been an advocate of health and her passion to provide care to people has driven her to move to Canada to enhance her knowledge and skills on a managerial level. Keisha's continuous love for nursing made her decide to work as a personal support worker, which is very similar to her profession. She worked as a PSW in a retirement home here in Kingston as her first job, and now she'll be joining the healthcare team at the Kingston Health Sciences Centre as a patient care assistant in the NICU, working side by side with the nurses. As she began her new ventures in the hospital setting as a PCA, Keisha is also looking forward to write her NCLEX exam and pursue her dream of becoming a registered nurse here in Canada. Let's hear her stories and learn from her experiences as we talk more about her journey in Canada 
as an international student. Welcome, Keisha. Thank you, Professor Jolie, and I'm so happy to be here, everyone. Excellent. And our final guest is Janine, a highly motivated healthcare professional who started her career as a respiratory therapist in the Philippines. She graduated from an accredited college with a Bachelor of Science degree in respiratory therapy and went on to pass the board exam, allowing her to start working in various hospitals throughout the country. Janine was always dedicated to providing high quality patient care, which led her to gain valuable experience during this period. After gaining essential experience for two years, she decided that it was time for her to broaden her horizons to take up further studies abroad. As such, she set goals for herself by choosing healthcare administration as a course of study at St. Lawrence College here in Canada. Janine demonstrated determination and perseverance while studying here in Kingston, Ontario, despite facing many challenges like cultural differences and having no connections or friends initially. Her strengths come from unwavering support through positive feedback given by her family back home. While pursuing higher education, Janine still managed to work part-time commitments as a personal support worker at the Kingston Health Sciences Centre. We are so fortunate to have you with us, Janine. Welcome. Thank you for introducing me, Professor, and I'm happy to be here. Excellent. All right, so um, to this wonderful group, Fast and the Furious, you have been doing an awful lot of work to look at the aging population, something that's near and dear to your hearts. So as your project really is, is specific to North America, India, and the Philippines, kind of what's the importance that you're seeing in long-term care homes in each of these countries? As the population ages, long-term care homes have become more important in addressing the needs of the elderly. They are a, a popular alternative in North America for seniors who want more assistance and care than they get at home. Medical care, rehab, social activities and personal care are all available at these places. Long-term care homes are relatively a new concept in India and Philippines, but the demand for such facilities is expanding due to the demographic changes and increasing urbanization. However, the importance of long-term care homes varies among various countries due to cultural differences, economic reasons, and government laws. In India and Philippines, for example, the concept of family care is strongly embedded and, the ma and many families prefer to care for their elderly at home rather than a long-term care facility. Also, Philippines has a long history of overseas labor migration, which has resulted in caregiver shortage for the senior population. As a result, the demand for long-term care homes is steadily rising. Overall, the compar uh, comparing the significance of long-term care homes in North America, India, and Philippines will provide significant insights into how different cultures and legislation will affect elderly people. This can assist politicians and healthcare professionals in developing successful strategies for meeting the demands of these countries' aging populations. Great. Thanks so much, Niharika. Um, and, and you brought up some really important points there. So I'm wondering, what are some of those cultural differences um, that you've noticed between countries kind of as you're looking at doing your comparisons? When comparing the aging populations in North America and Southeast Asia, specifically in India and the Philippines, it is important to consider the cultural differences that exist between these countries. The key cultural difference is that uh, it impacts the aging population's um, family structure and values. In India and Philippines, family is often considered 
the primary caregiver for the elderly. This contrasts with North America where there is a greater emphasis on individualism and independence. And also uh, attitudes towards aging in North America, aging is often viewed as a negative process associated with declining health and uh, loss of independence. In contrast, in Southeast Asia, aging is often seen as a natural part of life and the elderly are respected for their wisdom and experience. And uh, healthcare systems in India and the Philippines are often underfunded and have limited resources which can impact the quality of care that elderly individuals receive. In North America, healthcare is often more readily available and can be more easily accessed by the elderly. So understanding these cultural differences is important in developing effective strategies for addressing the needs of aging population in these regions. By taking these cultural factors into account, policymakers and healthcare professionals can develop interventions that uh, are culturally sensitive and tailored to the unique needs of each population. So we also did some kind of surveys among different healthcare professionals in both the countries, which is India and Philippines. From what our uh, survey, it, we found out that in India especially, I would say, there has been some kind of uh, I would say resistance from families to send their uh, elderly to a long-term care home. Most of the reason for that was they don't, I think they are not really uh, ready to trust upon the long-term care sector in general and those who are sending their elderly population because it's, it's the need of the situation rather than their own willingness to send them. For example, I have one of the families who has their uh, father in long-term care home but their father is currently living in a long-term care home it's not because they are there's an underlying health issue it's just that he lives alone and he doesn't have anyone to take care and this son and daughters live all abroad so that kind of situation often affects the like i would say the willingness of a patient to go to a long-term care home moreover i would say long-term care homes in canada are a norm rather than in other countries such as india and philippines the part of the reason is that it's but it has been going on in such a long time that people have adapted this concept of long-term care homes and they understand the need of the situation. When there's a point in a life of their parents, they might need to depend on a healthcare professional rather than a family care. So there's more pros and cons to these kind of things, but I do believe it is as it, it is a good thing. Right. This, this is not unlike the situation when we first had hospitals in Canada, um, when the people who went to hospitals were ones that couldn't be cared for mm -hmm. um, by their families. So hospitals, when you were sent to hospital in Canada, it had a different connotation to it. And it sounds like that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of similar right now in India with long-term care, because you still do have that nuclear family that's together yeah. and people that are around to help elderly folks um, as they're aging. Excellent. So what are some of those advantages and disadvantages of having long-term care homes? Um, and, and what do you think kind of this, the, this is a, you know, do you think it's a scheme maybe to, um, to make the dollar value strong? Yeah, the advantage are provide a safe and secure environment for elderly or disabled individuals who require 24-hour care and assistance with daily living activities. Uh, Long-term care homes offer access to medical care and support services such as physical therapy, occupational therapy, and social activity that may not be available to individuals living at homes. 
It can also provide a respite care for families, caregivers who need a break from caring for their loved ones. They can help reduce the burden on the healthcare system by providing an alternative care option for individuals who do not require hospitalization but cannot live independently at home. So here are some disadvantages. Long-term care homes can be expensive and may not affordable for some individuals or families, especially in India and Philippines. And long-term care homes can be understaffed or provide inadequate care leading to neglect, abuse, or other forms of mistreatment and may not offer the same level of personalized care as home-based care or provide by family members. I think those are the disadvantages. Okay, and, and, and what do you think are some of the reasons that, that countries that started the concept of long-term care, um, but they're not able to catch up? So what are some of those reasons that that's happened? Um, there could be a various reason why some countries may have started with concept of long-term care homes but have not been able to catch up with the demand or quality of care. Uh, there are some possible reasons include like lack of funding, lack of political will, cultural attitudes. Some cultural attitudes uh, may have a strong preference for home-based care or may view long-term long care homes as a stigmatizing or shameful, which can limit the demand of these services. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges that are faced by Southeast Asians due to kind of a lack of long-term care homes? Well, that's actually a really good question, right there, because so we have witnessed like firsthand um, the comparisons and the differences between uh, Southeast Asians and North America. And um, the lack of long-term care homes in the Southeast Asian countries actually hinders them from reaching the full potential of care that should be given to the elderly population. Now, uh, during our interviews, uh, we were sharing about our own experiences at home. And most of us, we realized that uh, we are basically living with our grandparents because our culture respects our elderly so much to the point that we sometimes sacrifice our own careers just so we can take care of them more. So what happens is instead of focusing and going on with our lives, we are stuck at home to take care of them. And if you're actually thinking about it, it is somehow a sweet and an honorable gesture, right? But that is still not enough to reassure that their well-being is properly cared for. Uh, we don't have proper equipment and supplies at home, unlike in the long-term care home. Uh, we don't have people to take turns like they're on rotating shifts. So uh, unlike in a long-term care home or retirement home, there are PSWs and nurses who are available 24-7, uh, activity areas where the elderly can do fun activities together and socialize instead of just sitting on a rocking chair at home. And they can actually talk and mingle with other elderly people who are pretty much, you know, they can relate with each other. And their food is being prepared by dietitians, which are in accordance with the diet that they, you know, require. Unlike when they're at home, we just prepare them whatever we have in the fridge. So... Yeah, that's our, those are the challenges. Uh, yeah. 
It sounds like there's an awful lot of ethics that kind of go into, yeah. um, you know, the, the whole discussion around long-term care and how do we care for the elderly um, and what is right and wrong and whose values are the ones that are, are kind of put kind yeah. of at the core of it, which is, is a very interesting way to look at it. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of learnings that you have from home that you could actually yeah. bring back to our system as well because we're always trying to create long-term care homes that have more of a home feeling. Yeah. So let's shift for a second, um, kind of away from the warm, fuzzy, or <laughs> maybe ethics aren't so warm and fuzzy, but yeah. let's look at, at kind of the financial aspect of it. Um, because, you know, the government plays a significant role. So um, if you could talk a little bit more about kind of the role that government plays in allocating funds to long-term care um, in Southeast Asian countries, what does that look like? Um, well, first, let's admit that putting up a nursing care home is not cheap. <laughs> it is very expensive. And the allocation of funds in the Philippines actually differs uh, greatly across rural and urban locations. So, uh, so, for example, in the Philippines, private healthcare is more consistent. Uh, private facilities generally have better equipment than public ones. However, uh, to be honest, long-term care homes and retirement homes are still out of the picture when it comes to the funding of the government, which is sad. <laughs> um, oh, what we only have actually are senior citizen benefits, <laughs> like 50% off on electric and water bills, uh, senior citizen discounts in all shopping establishments and restaurants, free movie watching the cinema every Monday. <laughs> I mean, these all are... Uh, cool perks, but the government should fund something that is more beneficial in the long run for them and that is simply supporting our elderly by giving them means to live their remaining days and years comfortably. Okay, excellent. And and I'm thinking that maybe a retirement to the Philippines will, will make my Mondays much better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> instead of going to the movies, I mean... <laughs> Even have, I, have yeah. the elderly go to the mall and watch a movie. <laughs> Let's watch a movie. Even like I agree with Kish in India, there are publicly funded long-term care and retirement homes, but they do only serve the bare minimum in terms of facilities and the kind of care they provide. So there's only like a... So if for a resident, uh, for an elder who is living in a publicly funded long-term care home, to be specific, they have a bed. That's it. <laughs> that's it and as as like ridiculous it may sound that is the truth and some of them don't even have facilities like mechanical lifts yeah. and the other thing is I believe the standardization of education I believe in Canada is very I would say centralized even though there are some loopholes when people go around and do their own kind of uh, activities around that but still generally speaking it is very standardized with the regards to the level of care even though there are courses provided in countries like India and Philippines, not everyone is willing to go for that because they don't think like a PSW or a patient care assistant is a long-term fulfilling career. So they are, I would say, unregulated training which people go through, but little do we know like what kind of training do they actually go with. They are, so they are usually left with the field. So there are good cases and bad. There's always good apples and bad apples in a field, right? So apart from that, in a privately funded long-term retirement home in India or Philippines, it is expensive for sure. But there is still a better, better I would say, 
availability of resources such yeah. as RNs, RPNs, PSWs, and mainly we are we don't call them PSWs. They are called health aids. Yeah. And in the in our own language, it's completely different. It doesn't even mean health aids, but <laughs> they are they are courses to support that. But it so from what I researched, like courses in Canada in specific and in Ontario specific, they are clinical postings for PSWs which in which they have to do hourly rotation for I think 100 to 200 hours in a long-term care where they shadow a PSW there is no such thing as shadowing a PSW in India there might be a course to teach them but there is no field experience I would say the only field experience they get is when they're on the field and ready to work so I'm hearing kind of the the public private difference is huge I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go off script a little <laughs> bit here um, because we're we're seeing that play out here in Canada a little bit more. We're hearing more and more about private yeah. um, care providers, um, yet it's still publicly funded, kind of at a base level, um, and you don't have that back home. So you have portions of the population that the thought of long term care isn't even no. In fact, if uh, back home in the Philippines, um, if you want private care for your grandparents, uh, they could just hire caregivers and stay with them at home. So instead of putting them out to the long-term care home or retirement homes, the caregivers go to their house, to mm-hmm. our houses, and then hire three nurses or caregivers to go on rotating shifts. And you've got the staff to be able to support that if you've got the money that would be yeah. provided Okay, so there's options if you have money. Yeah. If you don't have money, what happens? Same thing. They go to the public funded um, uh, for the, the Asian place bed. with a bed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the care, the standard of care just isn't there. No. Okay, good to know. So what are some of those other differences that you've noticed um, kind of in, in looking at that comparison of long-term care homes? Um, well, first of all, uh, long-term care homes and retirement homes here are very fancy. <laughs> um, the moment I stepped in on the retirement home, I was like, I can't believe it. It's like a hotel. <laughs> it's actually like a hotel. And uh, everyone has their own room, their own kitchen, bathroom, balcony even. It's like you're in a, in an apartment, a condominium unit. And uh, they get to have personal spaces, even though they ha- uh, they are in an aging population and requires assistance, which is, I think, for me, is very important. Um, I was so impressed by the call bells and pendant <laughs> because just one press by the resident, we can immediately know who's calling. So unlike in the setting back home, healthcare in the third world country is already held because of all the delay in adapting to advancement, especially in the provinces and rural communities. And um, to be honest, we don't have long-term care homes or retirement homes. We have this, what we call home for the agent, which is more like an orphanage of old people, (laughs) if you're looking at it. And uh, uh, these elder people who are brought there are mostly homeless and has no families anymore. Because like I said, uh, we love to take care of our grandparents, which is why it is very rare to send them, our elders, to the home for the agent community. And also, unlike the retirement homes here, 
uh, this home for the Asian communities does not have the proper facilities. So, like Amud said, <laughs> they don't even have separate rooms for everyone. So, just imagine they're only divided into two groups. So, they're boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> One room has uh, several twin-sized beds, like, aligned together, you know, <laughs> uh, that, like they're in boarding school. Yeah. <laughs> imagine the struggle to give a holistic care if the setting is that horrible. So. Right. And you can think about how viruses transmit. Exactly. And, um, okay. Good to good. good one elder is cough, coughing, and then the other person is just <laughs> yes. staring at the other one. You know. And there have been cases when the situation of an elderly, if it's gone, like if he's too palliative, and the home, even publicly funded home, doesn't have enough resources to support that, they don't even accept them. So that's another one of the factors which I've personally seen which is like I would say the level of care is very important even if you don't have fancy facilities the level of care is important dementia care must be a really interesting thing as well like from what we as a group have uh, researched like dementia is present all over the globe I would say but it's not early diagnosis and early treatment approach in these kind of countries from what I have seen healthcare in Canada if it is all uh, bells and rings everything they have is based on early diagnosis and early treatment they don't do unnecessary testing unless and until they see the symptoms and they have periodic follow-ups even though there's a lot of wait times but it is structured in terms of India and Philippines there's a lot of presence of private healthcare which is like available in an instant in a snap of fingers but there's not enough people like who are I would say educated enough to follow up thoroughly. It's like a man will only go to a dentist when he has a tooth pain. But only the dentist knows what goes behind the scenes. Okay. Good good information. So you guys have learned a lot when it comes to looking at kind of um, the differences. So what, what have we learned, um, you know, that, that, or what should countries learn, I guess, um, from this information and, and um, what, what, what could you take back home if you were to return home as a leader or provide guidance to, to folks back home and what, what do you bring here? I would definitely take back home the Bill of Rights. Yeah. It, it's something I would say it's very specific to a set of population and that is something we are missing. Even though there are laws surrounding the care of the elderly, there's nothing too specific as specific as a Bill of Rights. It's completely focused upon the long-term care sector and the elderly population. It definitely focuses upon the level of care. If you want to make sure there's a standard in the level of care, Bill of Rights is something which can make it happen. And in my opinion, what I can say, what I would bring back from home is like long-term care home is not the answer every time. Because even though like retirement homes may be a good, I would say, perspective to view upon, but I don't think not every parent wants to live alone in their own space. They want to live with their family. It should be more psychosocial rather than focusing on the medical aspect of a long-term care home. Yeah, you still have to look at it holistically. I mean, we're going to send them to long-term care homes. Yeah, we have the facilities, the equipment. But what I've observed with the residents in the retirement home, they're still longing for their families. Like we have residents there who are crying at night. 
because they wanted to call their daughters, their children, and they just wanna they just wanna socialize to the point that they're following us around just so they could have you know some someone to talk to, and I think that's one thing that I wanna bring uh here, uh which is from from back home and uh what I wanna bring from here to the Philippines is maybe uh, healthcare integration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because back home, yeah, like Amod said, yeah, you just snap of a finger, it's very easy uh, to have access to healthcare. But after the, like, let's say after the checkup and the diagnosis, you're on your own. Like, whatever you do, if you want to put them in the, uh, in the home for the Asia or you just want to have home care, you're on your own. And like here, you get to be in the hospital, you get to be in acute care for a while, and then after that, the family will decide what's the next step, should you put them in long-term care, you know, stuff like that. I think that's also very important. Okay, good. Um, so do you think that the difference in long-term care homes is because of the difference in percentages of elderly in these countries as well? I would say it's not in the percentage of the elderly because the population of is a countries like India and Philippines. I think it's more than Canada. Like India is reaching the population of like like one point five billion now, yeah. even though like the I would say the percentage of elderly population is more in Canada. But I think if we consider like numbers in specific, I think there's equal amount of elderly population in India as well. It's just medically speaking, there's a lack of patient education. Number one. Number two would be the lack of education among the families as well. Like as a resident, as a elderly person, you may not have, you may not be keeping up with the times, but your families may be. But sometimes some choose a blind eye, they turn a blind eye towards them, or some even don't even bother to invest that kind of money to their families. So as we spoke that there are care aids where we can like hire them and come at home so in india there is even carers you can like the same person can live in your home 24 7 like a family member and he may go on a vacation like every once in a month but he lives there 24 7 so that's the kind of i would say integration our countries need and mean some concept which may need to be adapted from canada because there's a lot of i would say chaos at the same place so one of the things that we talk about a lot in Canada is the health human resources challenge um, and the fact that there are maybe not enough people to provide the level and standards of care that we're looking for. So, um, you know, we talk about the numbers of elderly, but the numbers of people who have a healthcare background, maybe <laughs> yeah. not the same training, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they would be available for that training. Is that a place to start perhaps in... in I, I think definitely because I think there needs to be an industry standard in terms of long-term retirement homes. I think once the industry standard has set and there is a portion of the government budget allocated to it, there will be resources and funding which will drive the population towards it. I think I do also agree that it makes the dollar strong, but it has its own need in the first place as well. There is no such thing as falsified like healthcare facilities. If this is a healthcare facility, it is required. It doesn't matter if it's for a long-term care or a hospital because you can always find a need for healthcare. Healthcare is like available, should be available for all, and is it is for all. That's so true. Yeah. I think truer words have ever been spoken. Yeah. Well, maybe they've been spoken. <laughs> so, kind of as we're as we're wrapping up, I'm just wondering, uh, kind of a final question. 
what are some of the changes that people from North America, from the Philippines, from India, are expecting in the near future for the care of their elderly? What do I have to look forward to? <laughs> I think as much as uh, we have praised the healthcare system of Canada, it still has places where we lack. I personally believe like even though we there are like standardization of education, but we are still hunting for people. There are no nurses, there are no PSWs. We are like putting them on overtime. It's like we are exhausting the resources than we even have in the first place. So that's why I think that's one of the things. The other one I would say in countries like India and Philippines, even though we have the resources, we are not, we are not able to allocate them properly. Allocation of resources is as important as knowing how to use them. Know where to use them. A perfect challenge for this group of four <laughs> as they head off into their careers. I hope that each of you stay in touch um, and I hope that you're involved in the future of healthcare administration, particularly in the long-term care fields if you're interested in it. I know there's a few dentistry and, and um, there's, there's an awful lot of, of um, amazing learnings that we have from one another. So thank you so much for joining me today thank and look you. forward thank to you. our next edition of the Fast and the Furious, Furious Podcast. Podcast. Yay. Yay.